Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss voter suppression, Tucker Carlson's dog, and donut licking. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. Well, here we are. So much week. I feel like we say this every week. They did it. We did it. They did it. They went out and voted. And guess what? And guess what the result was? I bought Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> I understand. Was that your? Was that your? Like your? Like if the uh, if the election goes not horribly, um, no. The voters spoke and they said, Ryan, you need to eat shit and crow. And yeah. I'm eating shit and crow because guess yeah. what? Uh-huh. Me two seconds ago, I hate westerns. I think they're stupid. Yeah. I don't like Grand Theft Auto. This is bullshit. Me now, full Joanne. I've got the pink hat on. I'm riding around on my oh, cowboy you get a pink hat. I'm not yet, but okay, I don't know. I am so into Red Dead Redemption too. I've only played. Again, I've played a very short amount of the game. I've been working very hard on something. Yeah, I haven't been able to play a ton. I got it yesterday. On, on, many, on many things, actually. But uh, it's it's a vast world. Apparently, you can you can do real bad stuff in it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I haven't done it yet. So you love it now. You're, I you're love in. it. You're I'm, in. A, I'm a real deadhead. Does this, make you, does this make you reconsider? Do you think you want to go back and play Grand Theft Auto V? Um, no. It's, people love it. Yeah. And maybe I'll play the next Grand Theft Auto, but I'm, I'm loving Red fun. Dead. It's pretty fun. Have you ever seen the video? The uh... There's still stuff about the Grand Theft Auto formula that I'm not like – it's a little too loosey-goosey. Like sometimes with my horse, I'm doing stuff and then accidentally something happens and now I'm wanted dead or alive across the <laughs> yeah, entire yeah. country. Yeah, you're like, you're like, oh, I ran over some – Yeah, like I need a little more linearity. Are you, okay, so are you, are you now at the point in the game where you like go into towns and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I haven't even gotten there. Oh, you're still on the snow I'm like, I'm on, I'm on like the intro part yeah. where – The snow stuff. Um, the snow stuff, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I got a little bit past it. We went, we did a, a spoiler alert train robbery. Mm-hmm. I think that's as far as I've gotten. Yeah, because I robbed the train. Okay, it gets better. Okay. Um, but also, I do constantly feel I need magical powers or robots or something. Like there is something missing in a Western yeah, genre for me. But the yeah. game itself, wonderful. I oh. think there should be a way in the game. Like there should be a discovery late, late in the game. You uncover like a some alien weaponry. You <laughs> said be too much like that bad. What was that bad movie? Westworld. No. <laughs> Yes. No, it was like Cowboys and Aliens or something. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I bought it yesterday in order to show you that I bought it, but I wasn't going to play it. But then we didn't record yesterday. So I went home. I popped the game in and it took five hours to install. And once it did, I was like, I'll play for an hour, but I got to go to bed. Six hours later, I was like, we're out here in the old west. What time did you go to bed? (laughs) I'm the sheriff. Like 4.30 or 5 in the morning. I couldn't put it down. Wow. You should get a kid because I think it would definitely definitely put you on a better, tighter schedule. I'm happy just neglecting. My cat. I'm the. I was the king of of the nocturnal creatures. I was a fucking vampire. My almost my whole life. I used to love. I fucking start working on music at like midnight, mm-hmm. and I worked till like five in the morning, and then I go to bed. And I'd sleep until like noon or one. I get up. I invite one of my find some friend to have lunch with. Go have lunch. I loved lunch. I lived for lunch. I like getting up at ten because then I have time to go to the gym. <laughs> But I was saying, I'd, be so dep- I'm, I'd be so fucking depressed now if I woke up at one o'clock. Oh, no, that's great. No, that sounds like a bummer. No, actually, I don't like waking up past 11. I but... love the morning. Eh, I love it. I could take or leave the morning. I, I hate mornings. Yeah. 
but I love the morning. I feel like my brain doesn't truly get like activated. I'm not a morning person. But I, I could shift my schedule though. I gotta tell you something. I could. I'm I really. Could. I love the daylight. It's probably because I live in. We live in this depressing era. Er, sorry, era also, but area of the world where now it's like getting dark at three o'clock. My family. Uh, my mom is extremely. She feels like if you sleep at all, you're lazy. So whenever I spend an extended amount of time with my family, I do get on the seven a.m. schedule and I'm on it. Yeah. And, it and it's good. It's wonderful. Um, but look, that's look, not what I'm naturally gravitating. No, towards. no, same. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I'm. I am a nightmare in the morning. I'm a horrible person. I, you don't want to be around me when I wake up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I like the morning. Yeah. Uh, I just don't like being awake in the morning or the process of waking up. Yeah. Probably anyway, I, I love Red Dead. That well. Okay. But let's talk about the real story. You're uh-huh. burying the lead. What's the lead? <laughs> what could be bigger than that? We had a midterm election. Oh, yeah. This week. Oh, yeah. That we've been freaking out about. Well, we've got uh, a giant conversation I just had with Celeste Katz about all these results y- yes, coming up. Yes, that's uh, But I would love to hear show, your – You I would love had to hear an in-depth conversation on it, and that, which I was not a part of, which I'm very upset well, about. And so now I'm going to have to get – I know you've choices. already – I know you've already talked about it. You wanted to see your daughter or something. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> no, I've been working – I'm working on a pro, an exciting project yeah. here, and it's been taking a lot of my time, and that's just the reality. So I'm what not, happened with and it's, I'm not telling anybody about it yet, but I'm going to have some stuff to say about it How soon. do you feel about the midterms? Uh, well, it, it when I went to bed, I had to stop watching pretty early. I got hammered, so I well, I, we were drinking, and then also I was like, you know what? It's like the Senate stuff is really bombing me out because it just mm-hmm. looked like we lost a lot of seats in the Senate, which is bad. Yeah, the House obviously went really well, mm-hmm. which is good. Governorships went well. Governorships went pretty well. I mean, we gained a bunch, but you know, there's also what's going on in Georgia and what's going on now in Florida. Florida. But 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 then but then the last few days have been really interesting because one, Trump is losing his shit. I mean, it's obvious that he is like he's like coming undone. He's really like it really is like a new Trump, <laughs> and I like this Trump. It's a Trump who is really getting the shit kicked out. I of feel him. like he's one of those dolls when you're a kid. You pull a string in the back and it says something, but you pulled the string too many times and it's running out of battery and it's yeah. just like they this is a uh, uh, he's like, that's a stupid question, like over and over again. Um, no, he's unhinged. There's a snake in my boot. He's, there's a snake in my boot. Um, he's unhinged. He's off the ro- he's off his off his rocker, off his meds. He broke the rocker. Sorry, I'm losing my voice. I'll Sold the rocker to Russia. Um, you know, I love hearing Adam Schiff talk about what he's about to do with the intelligence <laughs> co- uh, committee. <clears throat> you know, in in uh, uh, he's now running the House Intelligence. Uh, Committee, I guess is what they call mm-hmm. it. And he's like, yeah, we're going to re-subpoena some people and we got to open some – get some files over to Bob Mueller. And it's like, yeah, it's all clicking now, you know? Mm-hmm. And then – and We now, got Stormy Daniels is storming on in. Yeah. No, I haven't I haven't seen this story just today. There's a – there's a the, – he's – he's there's evidence that he was involved in the hush money or whatever. But, yeah. But the – but that – but also – but then also you've got this Matt Whitaker situation where he <laughs> fires Sessions, Trump fires Sessions. He puts in Matt Whitaker. Uh, everybody's like, this guy's – first off, this is unconstitutional and illegal and this guy's not qualified and he's definitely there to shut down or f- fuck with the Mueller investigation, which is so transparent. Uh, you know what's so amazing to me about Trump and his cronies is like you're like, they can't be – they're not this like It'd transparent. Be, that would be really obvious. Like, like they're <laughs> they're like it's something more sneaky than this. Yeah. And it's like, no, they're they're this – it's this basic. It's like when he's like, no collusion, no collusion. It's like, yeah, you definitely are just saying that because you definitely colluded, right? Yeah. Like, that's just how unsavvy you are about all of this. 
Uh, anyhow, so so but now now he's walking he's walking back from that shit. He's like, I don't know him that well. Oh, this is a guy. It's a temporary thing. I don't, I'm not really sure. Somebody mentioned him, and I was like, yeah, why not? Wait, he's who? Like, he worked with he worked for Jeff Sessions. I was just like, why not? Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. No, I went was, on a, a ZipRecruiter. You just re- yeah, exactly. Oh, ZipRecruiter, my favorite serious uh, advertiser during Howard Stern. There's so many recruiters that advertise during Howard Stern. It's like who's listening to Howard Stern? That's doing hiring. in the middle of the workday. Who needs to hire people? Jeff Bezos. <laughs> uh, at any rate, at any rate, so Howard Stern's an idiot. By the way, I've decided I you can't stand listening to him. Sometimes he's pretty funny though. But anyhow, that's the, my exact same opinion about South Park. Fuck South Park. They did a giant episode. I talk about this as my nice thing. I, I talked about it with Celeste, but uh, they did an episode where they apologized to Al Gore this week because they realized that climate change is real and they were being real assholes about it for years. Fuck those guys. Yeah. At any rate, I blame I blame them for Trump. Um, but. No, for no good reason, but I'm just going to. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, so it's interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, who will survive in America is a question that I have to ask. When we launched the outline, we had, uh, we originally had this thing at the top of the homepage, which was like, you could put messages in, and in our, in our, I think our, when we launched our first message, we had a launch message. It was like, hey, where the outline? Hi. And then like a couple of days later, it was just who will survive in America? Like, you know, four times in a row. And I, I have to say, I hate to, you know, cite a Kanye sample. But anyhow, like it's fucked up, man. We Our country is in really – it's better than it was. Sure. It's better than it was. Better than it was. And it, what it, it was was really scraping I mean, we, the bottom. We so. now have some thing. Some A lever of power. Yeah, some measure of – of a check and a balance, which people love to say, and I kind of hate saying the cliche, but yeah, you know, but it's still not done. And he's so bad. Yeah. So bad for the world. So bad. So bad for this country. I just want it to be over. I need to, I need to rest. I we know. all need to rest. I need a break. Everybody needs to chill. This week has been like, okay, Wild. first off, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Last week was the pipe bombings into the fucking Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. This week we've got yeah, midterm I mean, elections. We've talked about the shooting, right? I mean, we've talked about that extensively. Mm-hmm. We've but got like, midterm elections. But like, we Tucker Carlson house house protesters. Oh, RBG me. has fallen over. DACA's uh, yeah, protected. No, 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 no. DACA, there's DACA. a shooting in Thousand Oaks. There's what fires the in California. There's a shooting. Yeah, there's, there's the. But then it, literally, it's it's, it's it's like a Stormy week. Stormy Daniels. It's like less than a week or, or something to the day. <laughs> and so and now there's another shooting. How many people died? Twelve people. Mm-hmm. You know. This is the 307th mass shooting in 312 days. White guy with a gun, right? <sighs> yep. Turns out. Turns out not so great. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's like it's like we all just need a break. And he's definitely like make just just the way he talks. Like watching him interact with the press is so fucked up. It's like the Jim Acosta stuff is just beyond the pale. Listen, what's crazy is there are people I don't think you have to be I, I don't know. Like no president has ever acted like this. In history, no president has ever treated the press. I mean, they've treated them bad. You know, Nixon was no fan of the fucking press, but it was not like this. You know, I'm not saying there haven't been wild injustices in this country at the hands of the president, but there have been. But like, it's never, it's just never, it's so, he's such a fucking piece of trash. Mm -hmm. Like, he's such a trashy person and he he deals with people in such a trashy way. It's like, I just want want somebody who's sane and even a little bit kind to run the country. You don't have to be a, just like basic common sense. You don't have to be a pushover. Even a sense of shame. You have to be a pushover. Obama was not a pushover, but he knew how to be kind to people. Yeah. He's not an angel. I'm sure he bombed a lot of people. (laughs) 
He deported a lot of people, but he did it in a really nice way. And that's what I like about <laughs> Obama. Uh, anyhow, so it's fucked up. Um, yeah, and then, so yeah, so then, okay, so that happened. And I don't know, I feel a little bit better, but I feel, I feel worse too. But I feel better. I feel at least at this point, like, I don't I guess I feel that I don't feel a sense that at any minute like we could have canceled elections or at any minute yeah, we could have right. like uh, well, what's a military takeover of state government. Like I'm not at the point. That's right. But what they're doing martial law. But what they're doing with Florida and Georgia is really messed up. I mean like voter suppression is not this only- isn't even theoretical or like or like well I, you know it's a big debate about if we need IDs like we are at a point where they're full on hiding voting machines yeah. and st- like burning ballots yeah and and not only when we're talking about like not only is it um uh oh wow hold on I'm literally just wait I'm just looking at this oh, there's a picture somebody has here of I've seen photos that appear to show tons of uncounted ballots sitting inside a Miami area mailroom in Opelika. Miami Dade elections spokesperson says they're aware of the reported ballots but can't do anything. So it's like, listen, there's a, a pretty crazy thing happening where where they're literally trying to, um, they're, they're trying to not. It's not like they're people are like they now they're calling for a recount. It's unconstant. You know, it's unfair. I mean, the president's like now they all of a sudden they want a recount. It's like they're not even talking about a fucking recount at this point. No, they're trying to count the fucking votes, the original vote, the vote count the votes, and the Republicans are like, how dare you? Their 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 thing is now their their, their, their thing is to is, say how dare you? No matter what happens, if they don't get what they want, their, their it's argument, always how their dare argument you. is like we are trying to stop the counting of the votes. Like that is actually what's happening. That's insane. That's where we're at. Yeah. And it's fucked up. So, you know, like there's a lot to worry about. There's a lot to feel concerned about. But, you know, on the other hand, and these wildfires are insane. Look at this picture from Malibu. Oh, my God. It's like it's like a horror movie. It's completely insane. Um, but on the other hand, um, we have some balance of power. Now. Some lever, lever through which to do anything, to yeah. have a house hearing or anything. Yeah. Uh, and so... Well, we'll we'll get into more politics stuff with Celeste later. But for now, there is also lots of other news we have to talk about. Um, Yeah. How do you feel about Amazon coming, Amazon HQ coming to Long Island City? Well, listen, I thought Amazon was going to do – if I were Amazon, it would have been a good week to announce putting your HQ in Pittsburgh, if you ask me. But uh, (laughs) they didn't do that. Um, And I wish they had. So I'm always looking for reasons to move back to Pittsburgh. That's why you would move back. (laughs) Get a job at the warehouse at Amazon. Um, (laughs) Well, Long Island City, I'm I'm out of the I'm out of the fucking zone. I used to live in Greenpoint, mm-hmm. um, which is we were in Long Island City all the time. They're adj- adjacent to each other, just over the Pulaski Bridge. I love I loved Long Island City. There was just, a, there's a version of it that I loved. It doesn't exist anymore. And uh, if if know. New York is Disney World, it feels like um it feels like Amazon wants to buy Tomorrowland and make it Amazon City. Like it, it feels like I they just want to purchase Long Island City and I make that a don't. city about Amazon. Like they're like it's close to New York. It's only twenty five thousand people. They just want to take over the whole area. It's only twenty five thousand employees. Twenty five thousand employees. I mean, I understand the arguments for and against. Like it would bring in billions of dollars of revenue to New York City, as if we need more. Um, is there an against? The against yeah, is congestion. I don't know congestion. Rising, um, rising Amazon prices. barely pays any taxes, so we would be bringing in a ton of well, income. The has got to bring the hammer down on them. Well, he got to get in there with his knife and fork <laughs> and chop it up like a slice of pizza. You know what I'm saying? 
I ate a piece of pizza with a knife and fork the other day, and I thought it was quite nice, actually. What's wrong with you? It really classes up You're the broken. whole experience. <laughs> well, we had some leftover pizza here at the office, and it was uh, it was like veggie pizza. So it was oh, well, no that, cheese. yeah. And you, it was kind of yeah. like at the point where it was – That's a salad on a bread. We don't have an oven, so I had to microwave it. And it got yeah. pretty soggy, and I'm like, what am I going to do here? Yeah, breaking news. It was delicious. <laughs> breaking news. I fucking enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. How do I feel about it? I don't have any feeling whatsoever. Can I be honest with you? I don't care. There are bigger problems than if Amazon puts a headquarters in New York. I got much bigger shit to deal with. Yeah. I kind of, in my mind, I think it'll be a net zero. It's I think like, it's whatever. not going to be net zero, one of my favorite services. <laughs> no, here's the deal. I mean, yes, will some people be displaced and annoyed? For sure. But I feel like that was going to happen on New York. It's going to happen somewhere. But no, but look, New York is a constantly evolving monster of a city, you know? Yeah. Either get get in line or get out of the I just, way. New York becoming San Francisco is a little bit of a – I don't think New York's becoming San Francisco. New York wishes it could become San Francisco. <laughs> Does it? Well, I mean let's just put You want way. Jack Dorsey hitting homeless no, people I'm in your city. I'm saying there are a lot of companies in, the, in San Francisco I mean. and the surrounds who are making a lot of money. Yeah, same made, thing with New York. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But I'm saying, wouldn't wouldn't you've heard of fashion and finance? And oh, please. Media. Wouldn't, and New, technology, York, wouldn't right? New York love to have a Google? They don't. They don't have one. Well, we do. It's in Chelsea. <laughs> no, we literally we have, have Google. Some third-rate Google office. No, it's a very. It's actually it's very actually nice, gorgeous. But it's lovely. But no. But my, but my point is, like, Google wasn't founded in New York. No. Nothing was. They, the, the not, we're not in danger of, beco- of becoming like the haven for horrible tech bros to you know drive up rents. Sure, we have a horrible finance bros who drive up rents. <laughs> so we're all set in that department. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's I'm not I'm not saying I don't feel for the people of Long Island City, but that Long Island City was fucked over a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, that's my feeling. High rise, the Bloom, Bloom, Bloomberg fucking, shit already did. When that. they put those yeah. fucking high rise, just like on, on the on the on the on the edge of Greenpoint, they're yeah. putting up high rises that are literally blocking out. The sunlight from a whole, you know, family, a neighborhood full of families. Yeah. No, I understand. I saw it happening when I was there. It's one of the reasons we left. I was like, this place is going to be a nightmare in a couple of years. Yeah. Which is why I moved to Boston. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, I don't know why I said Boston of all places. It just seemed like the one of the worst places. You're like, what's racist and nearby? What's bad? <laughs> no, listen, I love you. If you're from Boston, you're great. You're good people. It's just too bad about you being from Boston. Thanks no, for I'm making joking. Amy a, Polar, but uh, it's been I, a worry, I worry when I hold my fiance's hand on the street in Boston. And I don't normally feel it's, that it's in the region. Massachusetts. No, but we visited for weddings. Okay, interesting. No, you know, Boston's great. I don't want to badmouth Boston because they'll, they'll come after you. Mm-hmm. The Boston people will fuck you over. Bad. They'll mess you up. You see Whitey Bulger died. <laughs> Rip. You know? From Boston. Boston Strong. Heard of um, it. Okay, so what else are we talking about here? Oh, oh, oh. Wait. Wow, I'm really out of it. Okay, what else is there? It's, a, it's been a long week it's and a long day. No, 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 no. Elias today, our COO, we were sitting in a room talking and he was like, uh, what were we talking about? I was like, oh, yeah. I was saying a meeting I had. I was like, yeah, you know, last week we went in for that meeting. He's like, that wasn't last week. He's like, that was Monday. <laughs> I was like, there's no it's way. Wednesday, I was like, there's no way. I was like, there's no way that was Monday. He's like, yeah. I was like, he's like, no. He's like, yeah, you're right. I was like, you know that the election was on Tuesday. He's like, was it? I was like, yeah. 
this Tuesday we had the election. I've been in and out of this office all week, and I have to say, it, it you guys are working a lot on something, and it is it's uh, feels like um, when you see flashback scenes to World War II, and the nurses are running around, and the arms are falling off. There's Flashing, blood everywhere. Yeah. There's you guys are working real hard. Flashing. I'll say that you guys wild, are working real hard. A lot of wild shit going on. Um, but yeah. So anyhow, no, it's been a long week, and uh, what's, I feel like there's some tech stuff that I wanted to uh, bitch about, but I can't think of what it is right now. What tech stuff? I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about buying a new lens for my Micro Four Thirds camera. Mm-hmm. There's this like weird Chinese lens that's on MasterUp right now. This is such a dirty. This is so not good, but I'm gonna say it anyhow. Uh, it's called the Camlan 50 millimeter f11 APS-C prime lens for mirrorless. Wow, I'm not promoting. Catchy it. title. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna buy it right now. Oh God, hold on, I do it. I'm joining it. One day left. I'm doing it. In the there meantime, Ariana Grande's back with her breakup anthem. Thank you, know, you next. Can I say something? Her her first number one. Who cares? <gasps> Who cares? Homosexuals. I mean, I love – whatever. There's going to be another Ariana Grande that comes along. Yeah, well – What about Lady Gaga? This – well – Whatever happened to her? We have our we have our, our stable. But I'll say this. For people who lived through Kevin Federline, it's really nice to watch Ariana Grande deal with Pete Davidson so effectively. Does anybody remember when Ariana Grande had that huge scandal when she went in and licked the donuts? Oh, all the time. I mean, I think about I hate this. America. I hate America. Yes. Licks the donut. Yes. <laughs> what was she talking about? She was so high. Yeah, she was high. It must be great to be that high. And that rich. Do I want this? Do I want this lens? Do I need it? I guess. You don't need any of this stuff. You're right. I don't. You, right. I literally want to come visit your house so I can go through your old going tech to. garbage. You're I just want to pick through your tech compost. You're going, I, you know what we're going to do? You're going to come to my house uh-huh. and we're going to go through all of the boxes and bins. I'm going to come Thanksgiving weekend. That's what I'm going to do. Don't come Thanksgiving weekend. We're going to have 31 people there. Oh, you do? Yes. It's going to be. Oh, that weekend? Well. I don't know. Whatever. I currently have no Thanksgiving plans because my uh, grandma's dying and okay. my whole family has canceled everything. So my mom was like, could you watch the dog? And I eat, I texted a friend like, hey, I don't have any Thanksgiving plans. Are you going to be in town? And she was like, I'm eating Chinese. My grandma's sick. And I was like, we can get together and have a, our grandma's our dying party. So I think we're going to have to – I'm really going to have to get the beautiful um, – the sad trombone sound <laughs> soundboard for the if this keeps going in this direction. Listen, I would invite you. No, oh, I, I would love. I don't want to go to someone else's thirty-one person no, Thanksgiving. I, I think there I'm literally good. is no possibility of fitting I'm, anybody else. I think I'm good. Okay, fine. <laughs> you had a good time. On my I'll birthday, co- I did, and I would come on Saturday, or I'll come for Friday my for leftovers. Would love to see you. My parents would love, but I am yeah. not coming to a thirty-one person. Right, what else is going on in the world? Uh, the Spice Girls are back. No, not interested. Next, <laughs> thank, thank you. Next, sorry, I had to grind it. I, I had to. I had to do a little promo. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. You know, okay, it's fine. We get it. You're out of money. No, they're you not. You spent all your money. They're rich. They're just still Mel friends. B spent all her money. Friendship never ends. Yes, it does end. It ended for 25 fucking How years. How dare you? And now all the friends are out of money. And they're no. like, I guess I could say to be on a con. I want the listeners of this podcast to do a GoFundMe to send me the UK so I can see them. Um, I, do, I do not want that. How dare you? I forbid that. <gasps> okay. Um, Tucker Carlson had protesters outside his house and he threw a shit fit. You know, here's what I have to say about Tucker Carlson. Who fucking, who cares about you? You're the worst. You spend your entire career shitting on people. That's the I'm not thing. saying. Now, hold on. You I will ruined say, people's lives. Hold on, I will say. I don't I have think, no sympathy. I don't think you should go to somebody's house and break their door. I have no door sympathy at this point. No, no, I don't. I will say this. Shock and awe. Well, the problem. Kill his dog. No, I don't the, give a shit. No, no, don't listen to Ryan. Ryan's saying horrible things right now. Don't Allegedly, kill his dog. I'm joking. Don't kill this his. This is satire. No, listen, I don't think you should go to Tucker Carlson's house. Okay. I think you should you should go everywhere else Tucker Carlson is and make him feel very unwanted and unloved, which he is. But but his wife 
I mean, she did marry it's a monster. State, state I mean, two yards know, away. To her, to her. Stay on the legal sidewalk. In defense of her, uh, people who harassed his family, which is a very scary, bad place to be. His wife did marry a monster who sucks. Uh, and profits from it. Their kids don't deserve this. Do they have kids? Is he capable of having children? I don't know. At any rate, can, he can a mon- summon them? Can a monster from procreate? Hell. Yeah, I don't know. Can a devil procreate? <laughs> uh, but the here's the thing: Tiger Carlson is. Don't waste your time on Tiger Carlson. He's an American Horror Story character. He's a. He is a. Uh, he's a patriot. Number one, <laughs> patriot horror story. More like you know what I'm saying. Um, he's a monster. A real American a horror real, story. A real American. <laughs> That's right. Like Freedom Fries. He brings your horror with a side of Freedom Fries. But anyhow, the point is, fuck him. But don't go to his house. You know why? Because here's why. We'll get in trouble. Well, no, you already have this narrative from Trump about Antifa. 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 And bad people and good people on both sides. <laughs> yeah, you already have this narrative. So you're saying when they go low, we should go high. No, I'm saying we should be <laughs> we should be much sneakier and quieter. I'm saying you shouldn't – it's like Tucker Carlson's the wrong person's house to go to. I guess. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, cracking ribs. Nightmare. You know, Brandy Jensen tweeted our, our social uh, – actually, I should say associate editor now. Uh, uh, she also does some of our social stuff. Um, Brandy Jensen, who's a wonderful writer and great thinker, tweeted – and I was going to retweet it, but then I was like, no, Josh, don't do this because you're just going to – it's going to be a nightmare for you. Um, that – you know, she was very concerned about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, wishes her well, wants her to speedy recovery, but she should have retired under Obama. And I have to say, when you think about oh, yeah, logically I mean, yes. speaking, 100%, I, yes. I actually think when I think about it, it's like, yeah, actually, she's pretty fucking old for her. I'll say this. Did you time. see the documentary of her? I saw parts of it. She seems very extremely dedicated, like in full denial that she will ever age. She loves her job. She does not want to give it up. Look, she's awesome. She's the best. But she is going to die. Yeah. And then Trump's going to replace her with a. Fuck, uh, he's stop. going to find it. He's no. going to find a conservative candidate that makes no. Kavanaugh look like a choir boy. <laughs> it's going to make Gorsuch's opinions about uh, Matt Whitaker, about, about Supreme Court Justice Matt Whitaker. <laughs> no, oh, we should be so lucky, Supreme Court Justice Matt Whitaker. It's going to be like Supreme Court Justice uh, fucking uh, Matt Whitaker. By the way, looks like Krang. It's like it's like who's the guy on Fox and Friends that he likes. Steve Ryan, Steve Ducey. Yeah, Supreme Court Justice Steve Ducey. So that's going to be okay. That's the shit that we're going to be talking about. I'm now under the table in the podcast booth. You don't even understand. Tweeting from the bunker. Be. You don't even understand how bad it could be. Bad. You're living in a dream world here. You got. You should be thanking God. You got it only as bad as Kavanaugh. How'd you feel about Nancy Pelosi calling for bipartisanship and working with Republicans? Well, I tweeted. I tweeted about it, and, and everybody was like, "This is all a, a smokescreen. It's a subterfuge. It's whatever." And it's like, "Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is, and maybe actually. I do trust her strategically evil mind of <laughs> Jedi mind tricks and uh, puppetry. I do. I do actually believe in that. I'm let not a neo. Let me tell you the fun. Let me tell you the. I do believe Nancy Pelosi is an evil mastermind. L- l- let me tell you the fundamental problem with the Democrats. And I hope I don't go too chapo for you here. Oh, no. Because this really isn't about like your – I ready I don't for your red about, scare kids. This isn't about politics actually. Get your Sailor Moon outfit. This isn't about, this isn't about politics. OK. This is actually about strategy. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with the Democrats and this is always <laughs> – You've been, diagnosed it. Here's this is always been the fucking problem. Cory Booker. <laughs> A revolution of love. The Democrats don't know how to do a finishing move. Okay. In Mortal Kombat. In Mortal Kombat. A hundred. They don't know the finishing moves. They don't know how to rip out someone's spine. They don't you need to fucking kill your opponent. Yeah. You know what the you know what the Republicans are doing? 
You know what they're interested only in? Only finishing moves. They're, they're interested. They're only like they're interested in using every, They're interested in using every dirty trick that they can figure out and yeah. find to kill you. They don't want the Democrats. They don't want to reach across the aisle to you. No. They're not your fucking friend. Only to punch. They want you gone. And they want their whatever weird death called fascist rule for as long as humanly possible. They, that's really the truth. That's why they get behind Donald Trump. Not, and Hillary Clinton said this. I saw her speak at the Code Conference. And, she, and this is the, of all the things she said, I thought her performance was actually pretty bad there. And she said some really dumb shit. She said, uh, Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. True. And it is true. It's the Bernie thing. Yeah. It's like, you loved Bernie. You're so mad. But here's what, you know what Republicans do? They go, whoever we need to follow. We will follow. To crush our enemies. Yeah. We will, Mitch McConnell. The Antichrist, whatever. Mitch McConnell, we'll to wherever you want, however you want it, however many times a night you need it. I mean, the interviews with Cruz voters, I have literally not seen a single oh interview God. with someone who was like, I love Ted Cruz. I'm really happy I liked him. Every single one said, he's a Republican and and he, you know, he's had yeah. the job yeah. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. and Trump told me to. Yeah, I, I do support nose, the president. You hold your nose. Yeah. You don't vote for the opponent. You hold your nose and vote for the person that is on your, t- on your, literally, your party. They voted for Cruz because Trump literally told them so, to. So, so, let me, so let me, let me explain the, the situation here, okay? The Democrats – now, what is interesting is that I believe it is in actually the best parts of the nature of that party is to have – is to have a – is to be kinder, is to be better, is to actually have a – to hope for the best in people, is to expect the best in people. Actually, the reason why some so many policies in the, in the, Demo, in the Democratic policies, not all of them, a lot of them are bad. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them are really fucking good. There more, there are more good than bad, in my opinion. Oh, they, uh, yeah. And the de- the yes. Democrat, the Democratic yes. Party in this country, for as long as I've been alive and passed, and way earlier than that, has had a more obviously progressive and open-minded strategy. And part of what makes them so susceptible to the Republicans' um, shit is that they think people will be better. And that's really sweet and endearing. But that time is over. Yeah. You need to finish them. Okay? You need to put we need them. To curb stomp I'm not saying actually people. kill them. Curb stomp Nazis. I'm not saying kill them. I'm not saying don't. But that's but that's who they are. I'm not Steve saying don't. King is a fucking Nazi. He needs to go. He who is he representing but his own interests? I mean, honestly. So what I'm saying is like these people are that what they what the Democrats always fail to understand is that they're one thing I thought was interesting about Obama. When the race stuff started coming up when he was running, he actually confronted it head on. He was like very real. He had – I think he had a press conference and he was like, mm-hmm. we got to talk about this stuff because it's a real thing and it's it's a rot in America and it's causing division. And people were like, wow, like, whoa, that's a fucking bold move. He took it head on. When John Kerry was running and they were like, you didn't really do this in Vietnam. You didn't do that. You know, people who – who you know, running against a guy who was a, a, a complete flunky in the Air Force or whatever, like – you know, uh, he was like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about it. I'm not gonna address it. I'm not gonna, you, you know, you these people, you, have to, you can't handle these people with with kid gloves." By the way, I, I'm just saying, the, the GOP, the people who run the GOP, are uh, do do not, they, they will, they will kill you. They they will they will they will kill you uh, spiritually. They will kill you physically. They will kill you. Uh, they will uh, put your children in cages. Technically, and they will, yeah. politically, they don't care. They're they're the goal. They have one goal: is to win and be in power. And the Democrats they invented a caravan to do this. What the Democrats don't understand is that they uh, they keep going back to. You know, it's like they keep reaching out their hands, and their hand gets chopped off. And they're like, "Well, there's another guy over here with a hand. Just reach out your hand." And it's like, "I'm sorry, no quarter." 
no quarter for the Republicans until they can come up with a with a set of policies that uh, actually take into account all of America. Their policies only serve a minority of Americans, and even those Americans are being fucked over by the Republicans. Yeah, they don't realize it. So that's all. That's my message for the day, which is um, learn the finishing moves of Mortal Kombat, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Get fucking Sub Zero all the way. Whatever. Play until you learn how to do Scorpion's thing with the where he rips out the spine. Well, on that note, um, we can go to my interview with Celeste. Josh is not a part of, but I still think it's sparkling. And if you're interested in politics and if you're listening to this podcast at this point, you're interested in politics. So pop on over. It's a great interview. I'm sad that I couldn't participate. And, uh, you know, I think but I think when all is said and done, um, you know, you got to choose your battles. Uh, like the Democrats need to choose their battle. And like I need to choose my missions in Red Dead Redemption 2. Wow, I really need to I really need to get a, get a mission at all. And we're back. Uh, it's just Ryan here. Josh had to step out for a two-minute emergency, but uh, I'm be chatting with Celeste Katz, who is a senior political reporter at Glamour and the host of Driving Forces at WBAI. Hi, Celeste. Hi, Ryan. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you. Uh, after a tumultuous political environment, what a great face to come to chat Hi. with about all of it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so how are you feeling post-midterm? Are you exhausted? Yeah, it's a little it's a little beyond. I'm I'm post post exhausted, but uh, some some exciting stuff going on. So I'm uh, I'm glad to uh, I'm glad to be here to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I went to a fundraiser the night of the election for uh, Fight for a Better America and got really drunk, <laughs> and I didn't know how to feel because the race the two things I wanted coming out of this was O'Rourke um, or. Abrams. I thought like Gillum was a real toss up and I didn't know that we would get it. We don't know how the Abrams thing is going quite yet, but the O'Rourke stuff and the Gillum stuff seemed to go like they conceded night of. So I walked out thinking, what a disaster. We're all fucked, blah, blah, blah. We won some like, um, there was a great rainbow wave of LGBTQ politicians and there were a lot of women were um, took office, but I felt really shitty about it. But the next day, a lot of people made me feel better saying like with control of the House, Adam Schiff being able to like do investigations or something. I felt like, OK, Democrats having control of the House is some kind of check on the Trump administration. It's something we can stop like his policy agendas. But I, I, everything I've heard from everybody is that this is a B plus year, which is surprising to me because if if there was going to be energy in the anti-Trump pro like progressive uh, wing of politics, wouldn't it have been this year? Like I, it felt, I guess because of voter suppression and stuff, it just makes it such a hard leap to take. Um, I, would you give the night a B plus? Well, I think that um, I definitely give an A plus for you going out and getting hammered on election. <laughs> I, I think that is, I did not get to do that. It was a that. powerful, bold move. I got to, I got to stay, I got to stay up all night writing about uh, a lot of these contests. Uh, I think that if you, I mean, if your position is that you you feel like you wanted more, you didn't get everything that you wanted, I, look, I can understand that. And I do think that people had super high hopes. Look, I can see how some people who really wanted to see a lot of the energy uh, translated from some of these movements that we've seen uh, end up 
coming out in, in real time I mean, in real Parkland life from the polls. stuff for Gillum, like, the, I really wanted to see some sort of, like, sea change. And I know that it has to do with voter suppression and that passing, uh, like, the the um, prop that has granted access to, like, millions of voters who were had felony convictions and weren't able to vote in Florida will translate in the future. And so that's a great thing. But it was just tough to watch, especially knowing that I know Georgia isn't Florida, but that 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 whole region has had such a push for voter um, enfranchisement. And to know that that it didn't translate, I think it is disappointing. It's disheartening, like you just said. When you look at, you know, in some of these cases, if you are supporting progressive candidates or you wanted to see some change, first of all, you got to remember uh, – on on balance, you are picking up control of the House of Representatives, yeah, which, which is, is not which is, nothing, right? Which is a lot. Which is a lot. Now, does it does it change the course of human events in every single way? No. Are the Republicans still have the Senate? And in fact, they had a couple of pickups in the Senate, still waiting on some races there. But you do have uh, at least, I think, uh, as of right now, about a net. A uh, thirty-seat gain for Democrats in the House. You have yeah. a lot of new progressives coming in uh, that will uh, impede, in a lot of ways, uh, uh, the Republicans and President Trump's ability to get through a lot of stuff that they want to do that progressives don't like. So I don't think the whole thing is a loss. Now, you, and the other thing I would also add is that in terms of of saying whether this was a complete victory or kind of a bummer. Um, a lot of the people that that did not win, the progressives that you might have been watching, that you wanted to see win, were running incredibly hard races. It's yeah. super hard to be a Democratic challenger in some of these traditionally red Southern states. Uh, you did see some. You did see some people doing uh, real well. You did see a, a couple of surprises. The fact that. Uh, uh, we were talking about voter suppression in Georgia, uh, where the the uh, Republican nominee for governor was also the guy running <laughs> the election. Um, the same was true in Kansas, which is a very red state. And that guy, Chris Kobach, lost yeah. to a Democrat a woman named Laura Kelly. So you did have cases where uh, where the sort of tradition didn't hold up and people were able to break the mold. You had a lot of women making history. Yeah. You have the first uh, Palestinian-American and first Somali-American Muslim women going to Congress. You have two new members um, of Congress who are Native American women, uh, at least. And governorships. Have, we picked up a ton of governorships. You know, governorships, absolutely. You have people uh, You have people breaking, you have a record-breaking year for women in a lot of ways. Now, did all of them win? No, absolutely not. But And we it, can't trust white women. <laughs> <laughs> well, that— Progressives can't trust know, white women. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I mean— that's interesting because I was and I have a and I have a story coming out very soon on glamour.com forward slash midterms <laughs> paid for. But no, just kidding. But shameless, shameless. But I do actually I am looking at some of the breakouts and you do see um, uh, women trending much more to the left, supporting more Democratic candidates. There's been some talk about whether white women, whether you want to trust them or not, whatever you want to say about that. I'll leave that bit to you. But um, uh, not necessarily going with uh, Republican candidates. This whole thing, uh, this whole election uh, is, is a referendum on President Trump in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. not just about the people on the ballot. So if you want to look at uh, a 30 potentially plus seat gain in in the House as saying something by Democrats saying something about President Trump, you know, 
you can you can interpret that uh, you know as you want. I loved his press conference where he was talking about the people who would and wouldn't embrace him. They weren't embracing him. That was a very odd choice in language. Yeah, Mia Love, I believe, for example, from Utah. <laughs> Barbara Comstock, uh, I think, was in there from Virginia. I'm not sure what embracing. Uh, presumably, he means figuratively, but the idea of the president getting out there and sort of. Uh, you know, being flippant about members of his own party who lost elections and making it, you know, making that kind of a, a you know, a, a laugh, you know, a, a laugh line is yeah. very interesting. And also, you know, just fits into this whole, do you follow Darth? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Darth, who, by the way, just went into hibernation. So for everybody listening out there, I, I if you like Darth and I like Darth, um, you know, puppy photos and everything are, are important. He, he will be back. God, you know, God willing. Um, but one of Darth's classic things is like, how can I make this about me talking <laughs> about Trump? So the fact that he wanted to make people like, you know, even his own party, women in his own party losing Mm-hmm. About not, you know, being close enough to him, embracing him is interesting. I, I will. So having the House now, um, Nancy Pelosi, obviously newly empowered. Um, I watched her statement. Uh, there was a lot said, um, especially uh, in the lefty progressive side of that she was talking about bipartisanship. But the thing I always think with Nancy Pelosi is she says things for strategic reasons. I do actually think her and Chuck Schumer are incredibly strategic. They're able to whip votes and pull things off that we would never believe. They were able to get meetings with Trump and concessions from him and change his mind on things that was like the Jedi mind tricks they were using in order to get in with him. Do you think that was a strategic choice as a message directly to Trump himself? Or do you think – because I, I don't – a lot of people were like, oh, you're going to be bipartisan, so that means we're all pushing middle, which is the thing that everyone thinks is the problem with Democrats. But I do think that that was a speech for one person. It was just for Trump to hear that, like, take meetings with us so that I can get in your head and and hopefully, like, get you to uh, – like, we could do an infrastructure bill and you'll have to whip your Republicans. But, like, that is an opportunity that, like, we – I would actually be happy if, if, if Trump passed infrastructure legislation that the Democrats could, like, collaborate on. Um, did you feel like that was a speech for one or do you think that, that – that's like Nancy Pelosi playing politics of another era. Well, I think that everybody in politics is super calculated, super calibrated. I think that people say certain things at certain times to send a certain message for a certain reason. And I don't think that Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or, for that matter, uh, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan. I mean, this is this is what they do. And and as much as I love and adore. House of Cards, and I do love and adore, say, House of Cards. <laughs> you know, in the end, this is this is not a game. This is about getting stuff done for the people who voted these officials into high office. And sometimes they got to work together and everybody wants it all their way. Well, you know what? Sorry. I hate to, you know, I hate to break it to you, but, you know, this here's a, you know, in a, in a stunning development, you can't, you can't always have it your way every single time. Now, uh, the question for me is, are we going to see any sort of more pragmatic politics? Are we going going to see uh, people looking, uh, while we're still looking at, at, at really hot button stuff like immigration or at, at, at international trade, there's stuff that everybody needs and wants that's totally reasonable for Democrats and Republicans to work together on. Infrastructure, fix the roads, 
you know, f- yeah. fix the highways. I mean, who? How is that a Democratic you know, or a Republican issue? That's some, you know, the sort of like that. I mean, classic Trump saying. would get to could brag about job numbers if he was able to put put through an infrastructure package. And like, honestly, I would let him have that brag if it meant we could fix the problem. Well, right. I mean, the thing is, if it makes your if if you're so hard partisan that you refuse to cooperate on something that would make your life and especially more importantly the lives of the people you represent better just to make a political point or just to look like a tough guy or a tough girl are you doing your job i'm not sure that you are and and look nobody wants to uh nobody necessarily wants the optics say you're a, you're a, a super progressive democrat right mm-hmm. do you really want to have that photo all over twitter of of president trump handing you that pen he just signed the bill with i mean do you want to be in that picture you might you might be like nah guy you know, I, I'm washing my hair tonight. Can't deal. But um, if it's going to help out the people who elected you, like yeah. legitimately, if it's going to be more money for schools, yeah. if it's going to be, uh, you know, a better, better health care, uh, you know, opportunities of lower prescription drug prices. OK, you know what? Maybe you don't love standing there like smiling for the camera with with uh, the president uh, who who also supports policies that you friggin can't stand. Yeah. But people do make these practical choices. The, the question is, are they going to? Well, first of all, the question is, who's going to be running? Uh, who's going to be running the, uh, the the show on the Democrat side? And um, how much are they going to be willing to compromise? Because if if we just end up with two years of gridlock, who does that help? Yeah. And I actually don't think that that speaks well to the Democrats message of like, we'll get stuff done for you. And they didn't get anything done. Like if Democrats come in and then it's gridlock, then the message on the Republican side is look what they did. They gridlocked everything. And people won't look at the reasons why they gridlocked. They'll just look at the fact that there was gridlock, like the net results for people like table kitchen table issues. Well, sure. And I mean, really, if you think about it uh, in a way, if that happens, that's a built-in win for Donald Trump mm-hmm. because now he doesn't control both houses of Congress. And he can say, well, I tried to lower your taxes. I tried to give you better roads. I tried to give you better schools, better jobs. He can pie jobs. in the sky I mean, things right. that didn't. Yeah. But, you know, those Democrats, all they cared about was obstructing me and, you know, resisting and all these sort of catchphrases that you hear all the time. And this is something that's gone on. I mean, I covered uh, politics here in New York State for a very long time. And that was all. Also, it works on a state level. It works on a local level. Mm-hmm. I would have done this for you, except those other guys, they didn't have your best interest at heart and they, you know, gummed up the whole works. It's not my fault, but maybe if you reelect me and more people from my party, we'll all get along and everything will be dope. Paid for by friends of Ryan Holyhan. <laughs> but, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So in, in a way, um, it's almost... It's not good for people, but it might be politically advantageous for for uh, Donald Trump if we all get stuck going in a circle and just fighting for the next two years. Yeah. That, that might be awesome for him. Well, in, in midterms wasn't the only huge news that broke. We we quickly moved on to other uh, Trump administration Michigas, I'll say. Um, so Jeff Sessions, in the wake of the midterm elections, uh, wasn't fired. He was asked to resign, which is an adorable way to say fired. Um, do you think – what does this mean for the Mueller investigation? Do you think um, – like because Matt Whitaker taking over, he's someone who's staunchly opposed to the Mueller investigation. He published a piece on CNN saying that it went too far. Um, obviously, uh, there was reports that him and Donald Trump, ha- Trump hang out in the – Oval Office all the time, which is very unusual and odd. It seems kind of like the fix is in from that perspective. Do you think that 
um, Democrats taking control of the House, it, it, plus the Sessions thing, what happens with the Mueller investigation from here? Do you think it uh, can continue to move forward, or do you think we're going to see things, his funding will get cut, and slowly they'll try to peter out and starve this investigation? I think that's another place where it matters that uh, Democrats have made gains in Congress. I think that the level of congressional oversight, the ability to to issue subpoenas, the the ability to force people to testify or explain that they refuse to testify, that they refuse to hand over. Like if they fire Mueller, he'll have to testify. Like they'll have to be hearing about that, right? I mean, there there's a lot that Democrats can do from you know starting out, uh, you know, as soon as as soon as everybody's sworn in, to say, okay, Mr. President, how about those tax returns? And he can give everybody a story about why he doesn't want to release the tax returns. But even the the mere fact of having to answer those questions, the mere fact of being able to be uh, to be uh, in the chairmanship or the chairwomanship of these really important committees like oversight. Um, uh, it, was really, it really matters. It really matters. Now, again, is this – can I predict? When we, I'm, <laughs> Please do. No. Where's the crystal ball? Forget it. Um, and uh, uh, the fact that the Democrats are now empowered at least to be in control of these kinds of inquiries is – really important. Now, does it does it mean that we are headed towards impeachment? Does it mean that people are going to be like, you know, having these sort of like cartoon character, like black and white stripe things with like a big ball and chain breaking rocks? You know, are you, are you guys writing this down? But, you know, it's like it's Rosie Ryan... O'Donnell tweeting at Don Jr. die in prison <laughs> stuff. God. I mean, it's OK. Does, does it mean that all those things are going to fall into place and that we, we are going to see this this gigantic, you know, burn it all down scenario going on? I don't think so. And we're yeah. not going to see it right away. Um, but at the same time, there is a new level of empowerment, or there will be when uh, when the new Congress comes in, uh, to confront the president and his administration on those kinds of issues beyond the Mueller investigation as well. There are a lot of questions. For example, you've heard of the the emoluments clause, and about uh, a, a lot of people have a lot of questions about whether the president is benefiting. Uh, directly or indirectly uh, from being in office or his family business is uh, as a result of owning hotels and properties and and uh, being able to negotiate trade deals and all this stuff. You know, those are kinds of things that people can look into as well. Uh, there are questions that were not being asked or were there are questions that were not being asked or were being asked and ignored that probably can't be ignored anymore. I think that's a big deal. So you cover all of this for Glamour. Um, you you worked previously at the Daily News, um, and you've covered uh, politics for a while. But you you're now covering it for a magazine that is specifically for an audience of women or femme presenting people. Um, I've written for Teen Vogue. I've written political stuff for Teen Vogue. Um, the idea that politics is a core issue for women that is being covered in these places is somehow uh, both new, but it's also like white hot, like uh, that Teen Vogue is so political is a constant thing that people are joking about, that Glamour has pivoted and is discussing politics, even though I think that those outlets were discussing politics. Yes, correct. There, there, correct. there is a new light shining where people are, are aware of it. Do you, do you think that that coverage um, 
being able to cover it in really hard terms and talk really seriously about these issues in these places and get attention from mainstream media. Um, do you think that that has activated young women at the polls and politically? Because I feel like I hear so much from younger women that they care about politics. Whenever I see someone that says something like like comments on Reddit about the new Sabrina series, people will write like, oh, why is Sabrina a social justice warrior? And the response is everything's political. Why would you think a, a woman, a young woman with magical powers wouldn't have political viewpoint? Like it, it, it seems sort of silly, especially talking to someone who's covered politics in a really hard sense. But to young people, it does translate to going out and voting. It does translate to being involved. Um, what does your readership like um, and what has your experience been like? Do you feel like you write for that audience or do you feel you're just doing the politics writing you were doing and you're able to do it in a new venue? Well, I certainly think that I cover politics differently uh, for Glamour now than I did for, as you say, I worked for the the New York Daily News for a a very long time. Uh, I worked for Newsweek covering politics there and so on, uh, also covering it in a different way than I cover it now. We do have a very specific focus on women, say women in power, women as candidates, women as voters, women as as, uh, change makers and, and decision makers and so on. But the sort of, uh, you know, the sort of siloing of, uh, you know, let's write about lady issues for a lady magazine because clearly uh, women women don't care about black. I mean, of course, women care about jobs. Women care about the economy. They care about schools. They care about, uh, you know, uh, as you say, if it's social justice issues or voter suppression or the Me Too movement or or whatever. These things are not. Uh, style this reaching them through uh, this particular vector is just a different way for me, and I think you know, hopefully an important way to reach an audience that cares about these things that uh, makes up uh, that votes at higher rates than men uh, traditionally in in midterms like the one we just saw, for example, is politically engaged, but also to speak to a new generation of people that are super super energized. I mean, if you look at uh, say like the the young women in uh, in uh, Parkland or if you look at uh the people who were at at the women's march and so on look uh, political activism among women isn't new and you know i heard somewhere that they've been letting ladies vote for like almost 100 years something something <laughs> like i don't know i i i think i think i saw i saw like a, a they've mean, let a the mean, gals go to the polls yeah, for a little bit you know you know it's like uh, this 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 whole like girls in politics thing kind of interesting, but I think that you really see women uh, out there uh, now engaged as voters, engaged as candidates, and uh, you know being taken very seriously on both counts because they are a force now. Is representation among women in government equal to the population? It is not. It, that's something that's going to take time to change. But you saw, a, you're seeing a level of engagement right now that makes it impossible to ignore, that makes it notable. And so the kind of stuff that I'm documenting uh, is very, very much related to not just, uh, you know, sort of women, women marching and women being uh, women having you know, disputes at home between like, uh, you know, within their family, like I feel this way and my husband feels that way. So I guess I'll just stay home like nah. Yeah. Just just, you know, nah. Do you you <laughs> were on the ground for a, a woman candidate who recently won? Uh, yeah. So uh, f- uh, one of the things that we did during 
our, our midterm coverage at Glamour was uh, they sent me out to Nevada, which is a very interesting state for a lot of reasons. It's a, a battleground state. It's a purple state. Uh, elected a ghost pimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, very it's, weird. It's that that's a whole. We, you could have a whole show about. Are you, yeah. are you doing a show on that? You should, we should do a special spinoff episode. Could, that, that ghost pimp. Oh my god, uh, incredible. That is, that is yeah. That was uh, in the party of family values. Apparently, the evangelical party. I, look, <laughs> Whatever. I mean, we hate I, Stormy Daniels. We elected the ghost pimp. I. I didn't. I, as, separate as, episode. As 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 much as I as much as I. Uh, would have perhaps found it interesting to go and cover that race. I actually went out there to cover a different race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went out there to cover a woman named Jackie Rosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a congresswoman from Nevada, first-term congresswoman there in Nevada. And she challenged uh, Senator Dean Heller, who was the only Republican senator defending his seat in a state that Hillary Clinton won in 2016. And she won. And it was super interesting uh, to sit there. I went out and you know followed her around on the trail, but also talked to her volunteers, talked to some of her uh, uh, supporters and her staff members, but also a lot of celebrities, not just on the political side. I mean, this was a big ticket race. You had uh, Trump out there. You had Vice President Pence out there. You had uh, President Obama, Vice President Biden uh, did a segment just talking to uh, America Ferreira, for example, yeah. who is uh, not not new to activism, but uh, who was out there trying to get people to... Engage. I mean, it is a celebrity-tied state. Like, the, the it's not... It, it, it isn't even ancillary to... I mean, people were saying, oh, Georgia, why is Oprah there? It's like, first off, Georgia is an extremely, extremely involved place when it comes to the entertainment industry. Yes. So let's start there. Right. And two, like, but you're speaking... Like, these are private citizens as well with the power to, like, speak however they want. But Nevada was a place that it's always very interesting because it is... Yeah, you're right. There's these two parts of it. There is a super progressive part of it and there's a part of it that is is more conservative and that mix um, ends up with a very, like, purpley representation. But do you feel like um, Jackie Rosen being a woman... Um, I wish that it didn't matter, but it does obviously matter to voters. Um, do you think that that activated people or do you think that was a turnoff for people? Like, what did you see as a response to her? I think that, uh, you know, I, I always hated this answer in college when I would say, well, do you think it's more a social issue or more a political issue? Yeah, because this is it, <laughs> It's a little bit of both. It's always a little bit of both. So, yeah, I mean, it does look she was she was um, certainly not shy about talking about, uh, you know, uh, being a woman and and talking about women's issues, although um, I talked to Gretchen Gretchen Whitmer, who was uh, uh, from uh, Michigan, and we were talking about running as a woman, and she's like, "What else am I supposed to run as?" I mean, yeah. I, she wasn't saying that to me, but she was always like, "You know, you get this question, and you're like, what What do you want me to tell you?" But um, look, she uh, she did confront Heller on. Uh, uh, issues about Me Too. Certainly the the whole issue with the Supreme Court confirmation was on people's minds. Was it the only thing? I mean, of course not. Certainly uh, uh, Nevada has this, uh, you know, a, a, a big population clustered right around Las Vegas. And then there are northern and western parts of the state that are very different, just the same way here, you know, uh, you might see some differences in in the electorate uh, here. I mean, even uh, Nassau to Suffolk, let alone upstate right, exactly, to Manhattan. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um, you know, you did have some variations there. It was it was not necessarily an easy thing because knocking out a republic, uh, excuse me, uh, an incumbent of any party is often hard. Um, she did not have a very long record in government to work on, so she could say, "I did this, 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 and that." Um, 
the Republicans were very, very anxious to hold on to the Senate majority. So this was a big deal of a race. But she raised a ton of money. Uh, there is a, a growing, a large and growing Latino population out there that uh, you know, they were trying very hard to mobilize. Also, if you look at the casinos uh, up and down the strip, this is a you know big entertainment capital. A lot of mm-hmm. those workers are unionized. Yeah, and so getting out unions traditionally uh, very good at at organizing, at uh, getting out the vote, getting people to vote. Uh, I think that that made a difference uh, as well. And so uh, a lot of stuff. I know going it sounds on. a little silly and superfluous, but with like Lady Gaga and Britney Spears being massive parts of the Las Vegas economy at this point. Like there, those casinos, not only were they raking money beforehand, but now that it is becoming an entertainment capital in a different sense, right. um, it, it is those in the way that Georgia and film production being such a big part of their economy all of a sudden, it will, I do think that that does push politics and it's an easy thing to make fun of. It's easy to say like, well, the Hunger Games shot here, so now you're going to be a blue state. Like, <laughs> But at the end of the day, th- those unions and their interests are a massive, I mean, it, it, in New York, we saw it with teachers unions where teachers unions coming together has actually really activated local grassroots politics in a way. I mean, that's where Cynthia Nixon came up from um, in a way that um, I think has longer term effects in other parts of uh, the political landscape, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's an interesting point. And look, it doesn't always it does not always work. For example, it's not one to one. No, well, I mean, just saying. For example, uh, like celebrity intervention yeah. doesn't always work. I mean, if it was, Katy Perry would have selected the twenty sixteen. <laughs> would would have been would have been the president of yeah. the United States. Um, but for example, um, look, you only have to look back, and, and Republicans are certainly it's like super excited to to make comments about this. But if you look at 2016 and sort of uh, Hillary Clinton and Beyonce, Jay-Z and saying like, well, you know, they had Beyonce and Jay-Z, but I won because I'm, the, you know, that sort of well, thing. Like, first up, he was a celebrity on his own. Second, first yeah, up. And correct. second, a big I mean, part, a big part of why he won the election. Uh, well, no co- question. All I will repeat this to the day I die. I think that reality TV is extremely important and underanalyzed. And the idea that Americans thought of Donald Trump as a successful business person was because of the Jeff Zucker NBC marketing team that put that image out there with a ton of investment and money, created a set, created a script to make him seem more successful and more competent than his record would have shown. And that it created a, a new character for Trump in people's minds. And that's a part of what wrote him to office. But I will say... You know, looking at I, – I, I mean, I guess this is just because it's my hobby horse, but you see someone like Taylor Swift really turned out voter um, – actual, like, voter registrations in right. Tennessee. Right. Didn't necessarily translate to wins there, but it did translate to activating a bunch of young people. Um, yeah, I guess there's just a larger um, discussion, and, and I guess it's interesting to me because some uh, – a, a magazine like Glamour or, or similar can engage people in narratives using celebrity stories and their personal views and stuff in a way that – um, I guess was taboo. There was a time when they were asking Britney Spears her political opinions and she said, we just have to trust the president and chewed her gum. And we're in, a, I guess, a different world now, a different culture for young people because well, of the internet. Also, there were, I think a couple of things going on there. For one thing, uh, absolutely, there there was a time when people uh, people expected celebrities to do their, you know, to make with the funny or sing their song or, or uh, do their dance and not get involved in some of that. And you do see uh, still some of that backlash. Even now, for example, when I went out to uh, Las Vegas, I spoke to uh, a young woman who was a Republican and was supporting Dean Heller. And she uh, 
specifically mentioned that she was not watching NFL. She was not watching football yeah. because she was so angry about the protests and her her thing was, look, you have a great platform. You are a, a public figure. Kids look up to you. You know, go volunteer at a hospital yeah. or a, a, a church or a food drive or whatever. Why are you engaging in political activity? There may be there may have been in the past, certainly uh, some people that uh, were afraid to alienate fans because, say, somebody like Taylor Swift, for example, uh, has fans. Uh, millions and millions and millions of fans. Not all of them are progressive Democrats. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are young. Uh, I mean, she came up through country, which... Exactly. Yeah. Okay, in Tennessee, right? And in the end, look, it is great. It is always, 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 always great when people are able to use the uh, the power of their platform to get people to vote. But in the end... Uh, she had uh, encouraged people to support uh, the Democratic candidate, and the Democratic candidate for Senate there did not win. Marsha Blackburn uh, will be the first woman, as a matter of fact, to represent Tennessee in the United States Senate. So there is not always this sort of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. And even if it did drive people to get interested in the race, to start reading about it, to start talking about it, maybe somebody uh, who wasn't old enough to vote or wasn't registered to vote spoke to somebody else who could and did. Yeah. Okay, so there there are, there is some sort of ripple effect there, but in the end it's not sort of like uh you know I'm Taylor Swift and I encourage you to get out and vote today for I mean there was uh, those stories that were like Oprah picked Obama and that's why he won and I mean that 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 kind of stuff it has always I did been not, extremely I did, I, I didn't I didn't write that. <laughs> I did no. No. Okay, so if you're if you're looking for somebody to pin that on it wasn't me. Um so but if people can, if people can, uh, if people look at celebrities as a way to get interested, who might not otherwise be interested in, okay, fine. But yeah. in the end, they still have to get out and vote. And if people registered but they didn't vote, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe they registered and voted for the other guy. Yeah. Maybe you know, uh, these things these things can be double edged. But the idea that more people participated and frankly participation couldn't have sucked probably any worse than it was in 2014 in the <laughs> midterms when it was just like, abysmal it was yeah like historically historically crappy which is so, funny to me because i lived in australia and voting there is mandatory yeah uh, and it's illegal not to vote which makes for a very different way and i mean there's less money in politics too so it's just it's a very different um it is landscape so random that you mentioned that because I literally literally just did I do a lot of um since about 2007 I've been doing uh, uh, updates for uh, Australian Broadcasting Corporation radio and I just did an interview where the presenter said you know one of the things that really perplexes us in Australia is how involved political figures are in running elections. We were talking specifically yeah. about Georgia, but she... I mean, gerrymandering is a bizarre idea. Right. But that... even just like deciding what poll sites are going to be open and closed, what the hours are, yeah. counting the votes. If you have somebody overseeing an election that is, A, a partisan person, B, is a candidate for office, that to to uh, people elsewhere in the world is kind of zany. And... You can kind of see why. Yeah. Pivoting a little bit, um, I actually did want to talk to you as a political reporter. Uh, do you saw the stuff with Jim Acosta at the yeah. White House? Yes. Um, obviously, it is um, 
Uh, I've heard things on both sides of people saying Jim is, is has always been a little too outspoken, a little too preachy or whatever. I've heard like the Twitter chatter of that. But I've also seen um, a circling of wagons of the media saying we can't the idea that we're going to knock press out on as personal vendettas or because we don't like the questions they ask is really troubling. Do you feel as a political journalist, especially in the environment we're in where um, Trump calling for violence against journalists in like thinly veiled ways, do you actually feel when you go to places on the ground and people find out that you're a journalist, do you feel that blowback in a way that you didn't before? Do you feel like your job is under threat or your position in the country as someone practicing freedom of the press every single day? Have you felt any chilling effects? I think that you see it a lot, for example, on social media. And it is very easy to amplify some mean tweet calling you fake news or even, uh, you know, being scary, threatening you or, or making unkind observations about your uh, your parentage or your appearance or something like that you know it's maybe that's like one crank but people do get swarmed okay and uh that that is something that makes people uncomfortable i covered a lot of trump rallies in 2016 and when uh he wasn't the president at the time but he was uh uh, you know, a candidate that was drawing you know, a huge arena crowds. When he starts mocking people, and uh, five thousand people turn around and look at you yeah. like you're scum, like you're something they—it's a Twitter mob the... in real life. In real life, I mean, for example, uh, you know, you have people holding up these signs at, at rallies for for the first time that I can remember. Uh, when I went to these rallies, they have the signs facing him that say like Trump, Pence, 2020 or Make America Great. You know, there's stuff written on the back of those signs that's facing towards the reporters in the pen. And it oh, doesn't really? say Trump 2020. It says fake news, CNN sucks, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So there is uh, there is that element. Now, I will tell you at the same time. Uh, the very same. I had I had a, a personal experience uh, at one rally in Denver where a woman was walking past the pen and she says, stop lying. I'm, I'm in the reporter's area. She goes, stop lying. Stop lying. And I stood up and I walked over to her and I said, what do you think I'm lying about? Talked to that woman for probably an hour. She introduced me to her daughter. We had a perfectly civil, interesting, informative conversation. We shook hands and that was it. I have had many people uh, at, at Trump rallies who you walk up to them, they will answer questions, they will give their names, they will uh, allow you to photograph them, they'll even give you their email, their phone number, so if you have any questions later. So there's a very, very different thing about this mentality uh, in, a, in a personal situation than uh, somebody uh, on a podium goading a big uh a big bunch of people in an arena to get angry at the at the press court in the back. Uh, as far as the Acosta thing, I have seen uh, criticisms of him uh, on a number of levels in terms of, say, the, the tone of his questioning or uh, whether he is uh, um, seeking attention or whatever. I, I'm, I'm not going to judge another guy on that. Everyone has their own style of questioning. Some people might find my style of questioning <laughs> aggressive, very aggressive or uh, or. Uh, not suited to people. Maybe people have uh, a feeling that the president of the United States should be accorded a certain level of of uh, uh, respect uh, for the office, if not for the per regardless of who's in the chair. Mm -hmm. uh, the the questioning the president 
is uh, something that asks for a certain level of decorum. Now, where the problem comes in is if you see that uh, he was being uh, he was being penalized if they took away his his uh, press card because he asked questions that uh, the president didn't like because the president doesn't like his attitude, doesn't like his employer, because they wanted to uh, make suggestions or create uh, an impression about a situation that involved uh, an intern trying to take away a microphone while he was speaking and, and interpret that as him, quote, uh, placing his hands on this young woman. You know, that that is a different matter. That's not a question about, uh, you know, that's not a question about the future of of journalism in this country. That's a question about one guy. And the other thing is, okay, maybe in this case they say, well, you know, he acted inappropriately. Now, whether or not you agree with that. Okay, what happens when uh, somebody gets their pass pulled because uh, uh, the editorial page of their newspaper, which they have nothing to do with, writes a story that says Donald Trump is a monster. Or their paper is owned by someone that's a personal enemy, like Jeff Bezos. Whatever whatever it may be. Okay, now, if that is going to disqualify you from having the same access as somebody who represents an outlet that the president likes or finds friendly, then that is uh, – that's just not fair. It's not right. It's not uh, – it's not something I'm comfortable with uh, as a reporter. Uh, I'm not going to say that every person uh, at a Trump rally, for example, considered me an enemy of the people. I had perfectly fine interactions with with people uh, in that context or with uh, members of the administration or, or so on. But and, and is there always is there preference for certain outlets or certain reporters and not for others? Yes. Uh, were other administrations equally uh, unexcited to have a, a, a warm and fuzzy relationship with the press? Absolutely. The question becomes when you see something like what happened with Jim Acosta, who's going to be next and why? Because if they start for a while, they didn't want to have uh, cameras at these press conferences, at these daily briefings. They threatened to not have any briefings. Yeah. And uh, some people say, OK, the press should uh, boycott the briefings if they don't want to uh, answer the questions, if they're going to sit there for an hour and have uh, softballs uh, you know, yeah, or like be, just be called fake news or not get real answers. What's the you know, wasting? Are we wasting our time? I mean, I think it's I think it's. Um, important to know that you can keep questioning this or any administration aggressively and effectively and fairly without being in that briefing room. But the idea of of uh, attacking reporters to the point where you are impeding them for, from doing their job just because you don't like the questions they ask or the way they look or who they work for, that that to me is very troublesome. So the short answer, I am concerned about this, or the shorter answer, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think that, um, you know, different, different reporters work in, in different ways and that's fine. But if there is, uh, uh, I don't, what I don't like to see is I don't like to see this used as a, a sort of a cudgel. Uh, the idea that, um, uh, a president talks about the fake news media or uh, people, the enemy of the people. The press isn't the enemy of the people. First of all, the press is the people, is the voice of the people. And uh, we see a lot of uh, we see a lot of siloing. And, and I understand that people. My father always says, 
people read newspapers to confirm what they already think. All right. So, you know, the person who's listening to this program is maybe not the same person who's listening to another program or watching yeah. another. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. You know, that people have choice. It's good to have choice. But singling out uh, outlets or condemning an entire industry, condemning a free press that is the the cornerstone of the of this democracy because it's popular with your audience. Yeah. That I can understand to be to be worrisome. So I know you have to get out of here. I would keep you here for nine hours if I possibly could, but I have two final questions for you and then okay. I will let you go. Thanks. Number one is if you could ask Sarah Huckabee Sanders any question and get a hundred percent honest answer and transparency, any question that she would have to answer about anything, what would you ask her? What's in the president's tax returns? It's a good. It's a good question. I would have went for um, where do you get your eyeshadow palettes, but you know <sighs> yours is a good question too, because <laughs> they're from Elf. They've got to be from Elf. Uh, that, that was my question. Number two is, um, we always end the show um, because we've been talking about some dark shit for the last two years. We've started ending the show with a nice thing. Can you tell me something nice that you've seen recently or been doing? Um, Self care stuff. Something you like to watch. Music you like. That uh, a recommendation for the audience. Oh my god. Okay. This that is. Okay. Uh, I can go first if you want. Try, yeah, I'm trying okay. to. Okay, give me some time to think yeah. of something. You see, I'm just like, I am not in the nice department. I mean, I like, <laughs> I like, I like nice things. You're I like, do. I'm not in the business of happy. Um, I will say that my nice thing was two things. One, um, I uh, South Park did an episode last night that um, I I am so on and off with South Park and their politics and the things that they do. But they um, apologized to Al Gore. Um, and they they said they, the whole episode was basically like we were wrong about climate change. You were right. What the fuck do we do now? And it was wonderful and so satisfying. And it shouldn't have taken us getting closer and closer to an apocalypse for this to happen. But I was thrilled that it did. That was one nice thing. And then also an episode of Always Sunny last night. They had a character do an interpretive dance about being gay. And they did this really touching emotional episode, which is so different from them. And Danny DeVito brought me to tears. It was a beautiful. <laughs> so if you have FXX or you can stream it or find it in other ways on the Internet, um, um, I have to tell the audience to go check that out. Oh, my God. Anything you like? Oh, my God. I like – I'm trying to say, what do I like? What do I like? What do you take uh, comfort in? You can uh, say donuts. Okay, okay. I like uh, – well, yes, but also uh, – Because that's uh, mine. Um, dachshunds is dachshunds. my big thing. So seriously, like I have to say in terms of like self-care or – That is your Twitter of, header, it, header it, MC. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I my had a dachshund growing up. Pebble, oh, see? No wonder we get along. But I would say seriously in terms of self-care and in terms of just being super ultra fixated on politics and, and like – just maniacally checking Twitter and uh, email and and trying to listen to everything, trying to see everything. It's kind of cool to just have a moment to just be like, "Hey guys, what's up, dogs? You're I so think soft and friendly. I have no idea what's going on. You, you don't think I'm fake news? <laughs> you 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 like? They really like me. So I mean, in terms of um, in terms of my personal self care or in terms of my like personal grounding. I mean, you know, in addition to obviously you know my my family and my friends, but it's just cool to sort of like take a minute and hang out with these two like wacky, good boys. They're just <laughs> they are just happy to see me, and I'm happy Aww. to see them. And it's just like you know we just we we hang out. It's cool. It's cool. Every time I'm sad, I just look at my cat and I think like you love me so much. Yes, so true. So well, I love you too. Oh, thank you. I love you, and 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 I'm sure the audience loves you. And if they want to find you, they can find you at Celeste Katz NYC on Twitter. Yes. You are a senior political reporter at Glamour, and you host Driving Forces and WBAI. So if you liked this conversation, you can go check that out and get all the Celeste you want. I know that I do. <laughs> oh. Thank you for coming on the show. Totally appreciate it. My pleasure. 
Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Though I've just been informed that your family is completely out of money and will be forced to go on tour with the Spice Girls. 